Everyone has a story, and I want to prove it with your help. Tell me how you've succeeded or failed. Perhaps how a lesson you've learned along the way could help others. Tell me how technology has played a role. Email me at radio at commando.com. That's radio at com. I'm looking to tell the stories of our lives in future episodes of these Commando on Demand podcasts and also on my national radio show. This is a place where mostly bad things happen. It's a big place. In fact, it's so big that it actually makes up most of the traffic carried through the Internet each and every day. Think of it much like the bar scene from Star Wars. It's a foreboding place, the place where stolen identities by the millions are bought and sold. But that's small potatoes here. In this place, illegal drugs are openly offered to the highest bidder. This is where Ashley Madison users' names were published for all the world to see. It's also said that unspeakable things happen here. Human organs are bought and sold. Child porn lives on its servers. Terrorists buy weapons here and learn how to build bombs using everyday household pressure cookers. Welcome to the Deep Web. Kim Commando. The deep web, some people call it the dark web, but it doesn't matter. It's all the same. And as it turns out, it's a very complex topic, much too complex to cover in just one podcast. That's why we've created a two-part series about this dark and foreboding place. In the next episode, we'll speak with Alex Winter, an actor best known for playing the fictional character Bill Preston in the 1989 film Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. No way! Yes, way. Today, some 25 years later, Alex is a filmmaker, and he recently directed the documentary, The Deep Web. Now, despite all of the illegal and horribly unspeakable things that happen on the deep web each day, as you may guess, some things that happen on the deep web are occasionally not so bad. So, the dark web isn't all bad. The dark is still primarily used is not a, a criminal haven, as it's been made out in the media. It's really inaccurate. There's crime there like there is anywhere. But the darknet is primarily created and run by government agents, journalists. He tells us how the government started the deep web and why he believes the deep web has gotten a bad rap by the media. But first, let's meet David Cryer. He's not a deep web expert by any means. He's a volunteer creating Volunteer Voyages, an organization that sends doctors and other volunteers to third world countries in South America. My business is called Volunteer Voyages, and the uh, purpose of the business is basically we take volunteers, uh, groups of volunteers from the U.S. and Canada and and places like that, to developing countries to do humanitarian projects of all sorts. We do some medical projects. We do some projects that, uh, like uh, promoting or teaching people how to build water filters for their families. We teach them uh, skills to um, get better jobs. We have um, even a project in India that we teach uh, children about the dangers of tobacco use uh, in all of its forms. So we have a lot of uh, 
uh, projects throughout the world over the last few years. Dr. Cryer has led several expeditions, but there was one in particular back in 2013 that he says he's going to remember the rest of his life. He rounded up his group of volunteers, their supplies, and plane tickets. So I think I was in uh, Peru and probably was working down in the Amazon uh, region in Iquitos and uh, staying in hotels like we usually do and, and that sort of thing. And I think that would probably have been either a water filter project or uh, uh, maybe a, a small medical project as well to, uh, to give medical care to the people up in the villages that we work in. Those who travel for volunteer voyages don't get paid. They believe what they get back is so much more than what they give up. It's, it's incredibly rewarding, and as a matter of fact, that's why the, uh, this business started in the first place. I've, uh, as a doctor, I've done medical missions for, I don't know, around 30 years or so, uh, um, all uh, usually with some other organization at first, and, and finally I, I had enough contacts that I would just go to, to someplace and work uh, as a doctor, and I always came home feeling like I benefited so much more than anybody that I was trying to help. And then I decided that, well, I need to, to form an organization that can take others so they can benefit as much as I do. And, and I have, uh, I think our, our richest source of volunteers are the return volunteers, somebody who's been there, experienced what we do, and wants to go back. And we always, uh, for the last, oh, first six or seven years of our uh, business, we would um, always take a second week. We'd go for two weeks, work for one week, and then the second week we'd be tourists. But after a while, I, I started uh, finding that most of the volunteers would say, can I just volunteer for the first week? I don't need the tourism stuff. Every time they head to South America, volunteers have their hands filled. And those volunteers are not just building homes. They're building lives by teaching them the fundamentals. In other words, they're not just giving them food. They're teaching them how to fish. Yeah, I, well, when we go to Iquitos down in the jungle, it's uh, a big variety of, of work down there. Uh, one of the things they're wanting us to do uh, very soon is to go down uh, with some volunteers, and they will take us out into the jungle to uh, help them harvest wild cacao pods. And we'll take those pods back to the village, and then we can teach them how to process those into cocoa beans that they can export to uh, other countries and uh, earn some money. Dr. Cryer is organized. He has to be. He rounds up the volunteers, he gets their supplies, and leads expeditions to third world countries to help those less fortunate. He leaves no stone unturned, including calling up clerks at his bank, letting them know he'll be out of the country. All banks uh, recommend that you tell them when you're going, uh, when you depart, uh, the date of return, and the countries you're going to be visiting. And um, it was uh, uh, just a, it's a standard thing for me even now. Um, and when I, uh, whether it's a credit card or, or anything, I tell the bank that I'm, uh, I'm, if I have a card from a bank, I tell the bank that, that I'm going and, and uh, tell them when I'm coming back. It was an exhausting trip, and Dr. Cryer spent a few days relaxing when he got home. But that's when his world fell apart. He got a call saying he was overdrawn. Well, it was a, um, a business account, and I had about $13,000 uh, and change in the account. And um, over the, 
no, nothing happened while I was gone. It was after I returned from the trip. Um, I didn't check my account daily like I should have. So about a month later, I get a call from my bookkeeper who said, hey, you're, we paid a check and uh, a, a bill and the check bounced. Uh, why is the, there no money? And I said, well, there's silly. That's $13,000 in there. So I went directly to the bank, and the bank uh, showed me the records, and the, the staff there was incredibly supportive, the, the local people that I deal with. And they said, oh, my gosh, we got to close everything down. And, and what, uh, what we figured out was that 14000 had been taken in small increments of about $500 a day. Basically, from 13000 I lost 14000 And then um, the... Uh, all of that money was taken after I had told them I was going to be gone. And then after all of that, the, the local staff was able to, to cancel out the uh, overdraft fees that the bank was charging me. And then the bank recovered their $1,000 that they had overdrawn from one of my personal accounts. So left a really bad taste in my mouth. Dr. Cry refused to let it slide. He spoke to the people at the bank, people he had known for years, and asked them for help. But they could only help so much. They were very supportive, and they said, oh, don't worry about it. It's going to be covered. It's a, a visa account, and uh, that's just how things work. So you'll be protected and covered. And then the bank um, chose otherwise. As it turns out, Dr. Cryer had opened up a business bank account, unlike personal accounts business accounts are usually not reimbursed if the crooks and hackers somehow steal all the cash. The problem, according to Dr. Cryer, was Regulation E. The uh, bank told me uh, Reg E says that we don't have to reimburse you. And then I had to go find out what Reg E and was. And, and the, the banking um, uh, industry is regulated by the federal government, of course. And and there's a little, uh, little known uh, regulation called Regulation E that says that banks don't have to um, cover uh, business accounts against a loss. So that's one of the things when I went to uh, my present bank uh, to get a new account, I said, okay, uh, is a business account covered? Uh, because if it's not, I'm not going to have a bank here. And they said, oh, absolutely. And they put it in writing and said, you know, you're covered. Uh, we don't go by Reg E. And now I'm going with a bigger bank. And I think they're big enough to tell Visa what is going to happen rather than Visa telling the small bank what's going to happen. It's been a few years since Dr. Cryer lost his $14,000 to online thieves. He's still fuming about what had happened, both with the bank and the crooks. And in all that time, he still doesn't know exactly what happened. Or where his money went? Most likely, somebody had a little apparatus that they inserted into a debit card machine that read my debit card numbers and information. And then they either had a camera or that same machine was able to, to pick out uh, my um, uh, PIN number. Because the way the, um, the theft occurred is once I got home... Uh, and I don't think it had anything to do with my travels, but once I got home, then I, uh, then I, I look at the dating of the, of the transactions, and all over Central and South America, it looked like someone was traveling with a card that was mine, 
although I didn't, I had my card in my possession. And uh, so they probably uh, fabricated another card uh, with my um, information on it, which of course is identity theft. And they um, would use it in ATMs in the middle of the night at various locations in Central and South America. So some, I, I think it's probably a, a big uh, uh, syndicate that's doing that sort of stuff, and, and they probably uh, skimmed my numbers that way. It's really scary. Dr. Cryer and the rest of his volunteers are still trying to rebuild after their devastating loss. $14,000 is a lot of money, especially for a small group of volunteers. It took out my entire budget. And my entire budget was supposed to go to a variety of things, paying the bills, of course, but also I needed some budget for marketing and I needed uh, some budget, you know, to pay my staff and to to uh, do all the uh, usual activities a little bill, uh, business has. And now that it's been a couple of years, I'm looking back and I'm seeing the real uh, complications that I'm developing because without a, um, an advertising budget, I have less access to um, a pool of volunteers that might want to go. And if I don't have volunteers signing up for my uh, projects, then I have um, uh, projects that I have to cancel. I have fewer people on the trip. And the, the villages that I go to or the small towns or the, the poor people that we work with find that, you know, you said you were going to come in and do this and you didn't do it. So then my credibility drops with them and it's a vicious spiral. So I'm really focusing now on looking at uh, more creative ways to uh, and less expensive ways to do my marketing and, uh, and recruit volunteers. And it's, uh, it's a very difficult job. Dr. Cryer says that he's learned from his mistakes. He no longer uses debit cards. He checks his accounts all the time and has several accounts with small amounts in each. And he now has a bank that backs his business account, just in case anything happens again. And most important, he now has advice for others who use ATMs. That advice is simple. Stop. I would recommend, A, not using debit cards, um, uh, of course. And then, B, I would... Uh, when they're setting up their bank accounts, I would go with larger banks that have more clout with the uh, the Visa company and, and MasterCard, etc., and uh, have multiple accounts that are smaller and that do not communicate with one another. Keep personal and business accounts separate, um, and check to check with the bank to see that uh, business accounts are treated as as uh, equals as uh, personal accounts. In 2014 and 2015, hundreds of millions of people globally have experienced these same feelings of helplessness, loss, betrayal, and anger after being victimized in dozens of highly publicized data breaches. Credit card numbers, employment records, very personal medical records, including treatments received, home addresses, the names of family members, even birth certificates and social security numbers are being bought and sold on the dark web's open markets, even as we speak. But what exactly is this dark web that has the power to disrupt our lives? How do we protect ourselves and our families from it? Well, here's one more important reason to subscribe to the Kim Commando podcast. You'll get all these answers and more delivered right to your phone or tablet or computer, even if you're sleeping. When you wake up, we'll be waiting for you. I'd like you to meet Tyler Moffat. 
Tyler is the Senior Threat Research Analyst for WebRoot. It's a privately held company that provides internet security for average consumers and businesses around the world. Tyler has been with this company since 2010, and it's his business to learn and follow details about the dark web. Some say he knows the secrets that even many hackers don't know. You get hit with new encrypting ransomware like CryptoWall, CryptoLocker, doesn't matter. What they do, it's standard now to pay for in Bitcoin. And then with Bitcoin transactions, they all do it through Tor, you know, through the dark web. They give you instructions on how to connect to the dark web to give them Bitcoins anonymously as your payment to get your files back. So at that point, you're connecting to the dark web. And I wouldn't say you're, you're vulnerable at all because you're connecting through their infrastructure that they created just to give them money so they can get your files back. So you've already been infiltrated at that point, which is through malware, which was distributed through, you know, the surface web. So Joe and Mary are sitting there at home. They've got their computer. Sure. And they turn it on and suddenly it says, dum, 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 you have ransomware. And we are going to destroy all your files. We're unless you give us $300. Or unless you yeah. give us $350 and then yeah, we'll open double. them up. Explain to us what's happening at that point. Okay. Used to be before Bitcoin and stuff like that, like uh, money pack and Ucash, which are just money mules you can go buy in the gas station. They're basically like coupons for cash that have through through a code, right? It's similar to Bitcoin, but Bitcoin's now streamlined. So you pay through Bitcoin. And so let, you know, like in your scenario, they turn their computer on, they're encrypted, they want their files back. There are instructions on how to pay them. And as I mentioned earlier, those instructions include to download the Tor browser, you can, and then they give you an address to copy in and paste it there. It brings them straight to their unique uh, sort of tool download because it has their RSA key for their files. They input the money through Bitcoins and it tells them how to you know, create a wallet, add Bitcoins to it, and then transfer the money to them. And then once that is transferred, they can get their files back. And um, that's basically how it's done. I also noticed that a lot of these ransomware um I guess you'd say companies, if you will, that they actually have 1-800 numbers that you can call. You are correct. There are fake ones like they're called Rogue, Rogue AVs. Um, and what those are, those are a little different. What they do is they usually install on your computer through something you downloaded or clicked yes, but you didn't know you did. And then it comes up and it's fake. But it looks just like another antivirus. And it'll come up and it'll say, hey, look, you're infected. You have all these files. Um, if you want to remove these files, go ahead and pay for a year subscription, which is like 40, 50 bucks or whatever they want to charge. And then they go ahead and scan and remove them for you. Now, it's all shenanigans, what they're telling you. You know, it's, it's, it, none of those infections that they pulled up are actually real or even on your system. It's just trying to scare you into thinking that it's a real product and that you should pay for it because it's going to help you. They'll have 1-800 numbers, which will sometimes go to, to, to some guy that will be like, yeah, I'm this company for this product. And it's, it's all, when they actually remote on your computer, we actually did a, uh, a bait, if you will, where we had, uh, I'm sure you, you guys have heard of this, the Microsoft phone call. They call you up and tell you they're from Microsoft. Oh, my gosh. Sure, it seems like everybody's... Oh. Because, well, you know why it's so common? I mean, yeah. I could go walk down the street, and I could look at 10 people, and 9 out of 10 of them, I can look at them and say, Hi, is your Windows computer running a little funky? Is it a little slow? Yeah, they're all going to say, yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. going to say, oh, how did you know? You must be exactly. a psychic. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. And I, I actually, we actually, we, we baited them. We actually put monitoring software. We let them on, saw what they did. They didn't do anything. And as far as their reasoning as for why the computer was infected, they said that the IP address was flashing red on their server. That was like verbatim the, the, the terminology they used, which if you know what you're talking about, is kind of hilarious. But if you don't know what you're talking about, you're like, okay, whatever, jargon. I'm infected, you know? 
so because that's the point they're they're advertising and trying to you know the people they're trying to fish out and actually score with are the you know uh, baby boomers or people who maybe aren't, aren't as you know the average user as far as knowledge or, or and and that's all they're aiming to do is, is to scam those people but anyway uh, uh, what we learned we through monitoring them and seeing what they do they don't do anything they come in and they install free software like you know uh, Malwarebytes or, or or AVG or some other one that's, that doesn't cost any money. Then they run a scan and clean and say, there you go, you're good. And then they charge you uh, like $120, which, which is just ridiculous. Crooks can use the dark web for a variety of reasons, including holding your files hostage. While there are ways to get your files back without paying them, most people just pay the crooks in order to get their files back. But you don't have to do that. In case this ever happens to you, we have the instructions on my website at commando.com. In a sense, the web is a microcosm of our whole world. Extraordinary things happen in our world every single day. But along the same lines, the unspeakable bad things happen. And so it is with the Internet. The web can open up your world, give you endless answers to endless questions, help you communicate, and even allow you to do the mundane, like buying toilet paper and having it delivered directly to your front door in an hour. But with all you do, all you see, all the places online that you go, be careful. Take extra precautions. For some, exploring this place of darkness will be an adventure. For others, you may just discover what Dorothy Gale, the young girl from Kansas, found out. There's no place like home with the familiar web pages you use every day. Next week on the second part of our exclusive in-depth look into the dark web, we're going to talk to Alex Winter about his film of the same name. We're going to find out why he believes the deep web has gotten a bad rap and hear about his unprecedented access to a few of the deep web's original architects. You're going to love it, and you don't want to miss it. I'm Kim Commando. Hey, thanks for listening. just want to remind you, you can hear me on 450 radio stations across the country and on Armed Forces Radio around the world. You can find your local station over on my website, and the address is simple. It's K-O-M-A-N-D-O dot com. This Kim Commando podcast is brought to you in part by Carbonite. Join over 1.5 million customers who already trust Carbonite for simple and secure cloud backup. Plus, right now, save 30% and get two free bonus months with offer code Kim. That's Carbonite.com, offer code Kim. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 